Welcome to the Infinite Spark of Being podcast. My name is Keith Welsh, and in this episode, I'm going to be talking to you about the phases of our life as incarnations. But before we get into all that, if you'd like to support the ongoing creation of the Infinite Spark of Being and all that that entails, you can do that at theinfinitesparkofbeing.com, where you can find a link to a donation page where you can sign up to donate monthly through Patreon for $1 or $5 a month, or a one-time donation through Venmo. Um, There is also uh, a link to purchase one of the two books, the Infinite Spark of Being books, or if you already have the books, uh, you can also support this effort by purchasing t-shirts, tank tops, hoodies, art prints, etc. through the shop link on the site. So here we are, several incarnations, one birth. Let's get started. My stuffy sinuses, I'm assuming I snored all night, and I don't know. Anyway, I've got marble mouth this morning, and this is the third time I've tried to go through this and A, gather my thoughts, and B, speak like I don't have a mouthful of paper. I don't know. I'm just going to go for it, and whatever crazy things I pronounce, we're just going to have to live with it, all right? <laughs> so, um... Anyway, I've, I've talked about the allegory of birth and death, but um, today I want to approach... So that was a different approach to birth and death. Uh, I'm going to approach the idea of incarnation from a different angle as well. Uh, we're going to look at a single birth as having several incarnations within it. So I guess it's a bit of an allegory. I don't know. Um, not really. <laughs> But what I'm constantly trying to do is to break this stuff down in such a way that regardless of where you are on the spiritual path, on your journey, or even if you're not on a spiritual path and you're just trying to make sense of things, we can still use the information to enrich our experience of life and make more sense out of a birth that, you know, at times can seem confusing and pointless. Um, so let's start off. Let's let's acknowledge that we need a perceived fixed place to start from. Again, this is only perceived. Um, You know, so much of this spiritual stuff, whether it's, you know, political ideology, religion, philosophy, it's really just about finding a thought exercise that we can maintain and eventually use to improve our lives in some way. In other words, a route that the mind can uh, travel to make sense of things happening around us. Um, a kind of reference point, a perspective. So uh, mine is the soul. Uh, I think of myself as soul. For some of you uh, with less of a wooey-woo bent, uh, you could use the word awareness. Um, but anyway, as, as we understand it, soul just is. It doesn't have cares and concerns because cares and concerns are due to biological imperatives And the soul just isn't biological, at least as far as we understand the concept of soul. Um, And as for awareness, uh, that is outside of the cognitive faculties of the mind. It is simply awareness. It is aware that phenomena are occurring. 
Uh, it is aware of the happening of phenomena. So we start from one of those two places. Um, for those of you that would like to or continue to pick these podcasts apart, yes, I know the idea is that the soul uh, is just an identity that eventually dissolves into white light, God, source, dharmakaya, so please spare yourself the DM. Uh, so to start the word incarnation means a person who embodies in the flesh a deity, spirit, or abstract quality or one of a series of lifetimes that a person spends on earth. Uh, and the word lifetime means that, uh, or it means the duration of a person's life, the duration of a thing's existence or usefulness, maybe an identity's usefulness, or used to express the view that a period is very long. Man, that first marriage was long. So to start, you are at your root a constant awareness or soul or to jump the whole thing and just say source and then you take birth where you put on a costume or a suit or a dna code and for a short time uh you're a baby and you uh you inhabit your babiness fully you are perfectly a baby and everyone around you treats you like a baby so your self-concept is that you are a baby Remember, um, your self-concept is who you believe you are based on the responses you got from others. Um, so every action that the baby takes is reinforced by caregivers. What you are, uh, who you are, who you belong to, and what others can and can't do with you. Or to, uh, it just gets kind of you established. So um, the identity is as a baby and it gets reinforced constantly by these people that are also attached to their emotional states and physical identity. Anyway, at this point, some of you just hopefully had an aha moment and see kind of what this implies when it comes to what people are and aren't allowed to do with you and what the implications of that when it comes to your self-concept. But um. Anyway, after your lifetime as a baby, your suit starts to change. You look different. You look like a toddler or child. Uh, now, people have their own idea of how a human that size should look, sound, behave. So they begin to treat you that way and continually tell you how you are supposed to be behaving. Now, for some of us, this is really fucking interesting if uh, you know, if you were like me, you were taller than other kids. Um, you know, we start to get mistaken for something or someone that should know better. Uh, you know, we look older, so we get treated like we're older, and it's not fair. Um, if self-concept is who or what we believe we are based on the responses we got from others, this gets a bit fucked. Uh, for myself, I was expected to be at a certain level of intelligence. And I was expected to be able to behave a certain way. However, I couldn't. And when I couldn't, when I couldn't fall into line with their template or their model, certain words were used to describe me. And those words became part of my self-concept. Um, so you can see where this gets a, to be a bit of a problem. Um, karma being the mind's attractions and aversions would mean that my karma began getting pushed in a particular direction due to those attractions and aversions. So I began to struggle. Um, that particular incarnation, the one 
that was a pre-teenager, you know, on one hand, it was very difficult and it was the source of a lot of suffering. But, you know, on the other hand, it was very necessary for growth and later on served me very well, regardless of how painful it was. So no regrets. Uh, You know, remember uh, each present moment, regardless of how we perceive or measure it as a moment is the result of the previous present moment. Um, Each birth is the result of the previous birth. Each decision we make is the result of the decisions we made previously. And we made those decisions based on the mind's attractions and aversions. Karma. Um, Or more accurately, you could say decisions were made based on how the conscious mind elaborated on the sensations felt in the body. Uh, And those sensations were put there based on how the subconscious mind perceived the situation or stimuli. Um, I'm sure I've said this a million times. The subconscious mind is the karma. And our ability to work with the conscious mind to influence the subconscious will dictate how we work with how we work with it or how we work through that karma. This is why uh, learning to watch the conscious mind and train the conscious mind to think different thoughts is so completely vitally important. Um, so this uh, birth into, you know, preteen-ness brought with it, you know, a certain curriculum. And as I died out of my incarnation as a preteen, I took birth into my incarnation as a teenager. Um, And since this moment or birth is the result of the previous moment or birth, my teenage years were dictated by my preteen years. Uh, The lessons I failed to work through in my preteen years were carried over into my teenage years. The skillfulness I acquired as a preteen was also carried over into my teen years. And those lessons and skills uh, are all held in the subtle body, the mind. I brought my preteen mind into my teenage birth. So the concept of the soul bringing the subtle body with it from birth to birth still applies. Uh, We bring our mind with us into each situation. Our current perception of things, life, etc. is the result of our previous perception of things, life, etc. Now, when we think of the model of incarnations where each is the result of the previous good or bad, uh, we can see how each phase of our life was dictated by the previous. Hell, if you... (laughs) You know, if you think about relationships, you can see it, right? Like how many times have we looked up and found ourselves, you know, in the same relationship as before? You know, we did it over and over and decided that it was them. It's not us. It's all women or it's all men when really it's not you. It's me, right? (laughs) Um, We used the same lens and saw the same thing over and over. I just thought of the Seinfeld episode where George goes, are you giving me the, it's not you, it's, it's not me, it's you routine, or it's not whatever. If it's anybody, it's me. Um, anyway, so your mind uses patterns to create this, uh, the same situation over and over. And that does, it's what it sees. The mind shows you the world. Remember that. The mind also, this is important to understand, doesn't care whether or not it was good or bad. A pattern is a pattern. You know, um, a pattern is consistent, it's predictable, and 
it's predictable and that predictability is safe. The subconscious mind wants us to be safe and safe is predictable. Anything that's predictable is safe to the subconscious, even if the ego doesn't even like it, right? So being able to predict that this person's going to cheat on you or lie to you or whatever, the subconscious goes, I recognize this. We're going to do this, which is fucked up. So uh, when we look at the phases of our life as incarnations, then each phase is dictated by the previous phase, the bad habits, the good, the good habits, all of it. Um, it's all our perception, our way of regarding, interpreting, and understanding life, uh, people, and who we are. So if we don't work with the mind to alter our understanding of life, of us, who we are, etc., then we take an unpleasant birth into the next phase of our life and possibly experience the same suffering and pain as before. Um, hopefully by now you're starting to see that these phases are like incarnations or are actually incarnations. Um, either way, uh, if we decide to see them as incarnations or not, um, let's decide to. So let's decide to see our phases of life as incarnations. Simply just a thought exercise, right? Um, I mean, like, we read these texts, they tell us that we've gone through all these incarnations, right? We might even have experiences that lead us to believe that we are part of this cycle, but yet we never really start to take the care or the time uh, that we should to be present to each moment and work with it, uh, to work with each moment, to work with the mind in each moment, or this karma to truly improve the next moment, the next birth, the next phase of our life, right? In fact, usually the present moment, well, at times can be so painful and so uncomfortable that we don't, that the mind doesn't automatically think, okay, let's be present, let's go through this, let's think rationally. Instead, we're so desperate to feel different that we just blaze through it and then look back and go, oh, I'm going to do different next time. You're going to have to sit in a lot of these things, or at least with them. Um, all that being said, I believe that we can definitely zoom out, look back at our history, and see that we have certainly had various identities throughout one birth. And you could definitely consider them as lifetimes, um, you know, very long periods of time. So why not start to work diligently to train our mind out of these out of its old habits of perception and into uh, patterns of perception that would allow life to unfold differently for us, right? Why not? Um, I think this is an excellent thought exercise. I really do. I mean, if we do that, work hard, start to see changes, then if the idea that this life is the result of the karma from the previous life, then we're good. You know, if we're using the concept of soul or awareness as the unchanging true self with a capital S and that it doesn't die with the body but moves on, then we can definitely see how our life, the body we're in, etc., are the result of, of a previous existence. Now, I can hear the rub there, but, you know, you got to ask yourself, what is taking issue with the concept that everything is the result of of minds, attraction, and aversions. Not who, but what. Is it the soul? Uh, is it the awareness? Does the soul care? Does the awareness care? 
Or is it the mind with its preferences and opinions, its attractions and aversions, or its biological imperatives, right? When we realize that it's the mind, the ego that seems to care, that seems to have, uh, that's the mind and the ego are what seem to have these attractions and aversions, then we get to watch a bit more rather than being so involved. Uh, When we watch rather than react, we create that space, that space that allows for growth and freedom, uh, freedom, rather, uh, the space that Viktor Frankl talks about, right? It's the space that allows us to begin taking birth into the next phases of our life without bringing uh, the corpse of the past with us to stink up the whole thing. Um, Sometimes I think of the present moment as this glass table. Uh, It's perfectly clear and there's nothing on it. And then I take the trash out of the kitchen and and I dump it all over the table. Uh, I take everything that I consumed yesterday or previously and I pour it all over this present moment. So so before I end this, uh, I'd like to break down my life into incarnations to better illustrate what I'm trying to explain here. I I think that's going to be a good idea. So... You know, um, I'm born, uh, I have the identity of a baby, then a toddler, but as far back as I can remember, I've always been interested in the unseen. So I have always had this theme in my life. When I zoom out, it makes sense that I'm here doing these things that I'm doing now at 45. So this religion and spirituality and philosophy thing make kind of makes sense. Um, I don't think I have a single friend that looks up or looks at any of this and says, oh, this is very strange for you. I'm sure they all believe that this tracks for me. But when I um, look at my early teens, uh, when I began getting into heavy metal and then punk rock and hardcore, I definitely was the kind of person that used my identity to push people away. Whether it worked or not, that's another issue. But my intention was to show you how weird I was or how different I was. Um, And I think that's par for the course for a lot of you, though. Um, I don't know, but I got a feeling. Also, um, I know that I was doing that because of the response I was getting from my family. I was the weird kid. I mean, you know, they loved me and all, but I got a lot of shit for being into the things I was into. So the subconscious mind was doing, uh, or what... uh, What the subconscious was doing is it was looking for confirmation bias. Um, If I'm constantly being told, remember the pattern, the predictability, the pattern, that equals safety. So if I'm constantly being told that I'm weird and that I need to change to be accepted, then my subconscious mind looks for confirmation in others for that to be uh, the truth. Remember, the subconscious mind doesn't care whether it's good or bad, whatever, healthy, unhealthy. It just looks for the safe, consistent pattern. Remember the mind, uh, remember, uh, to the mind, like I just said, these patterns are safe. I really want you to remember that. It's not you. It's not that you're a dummy. It's that the subconscious wants safety and these shit patterns are safe to it. But. Anyway, I see these early years leading up to adulthood as a pre-birth stage, right? It's this time where our heavy karmic curriculum is being established. So when I look at this timeline that I've experienced, there was a life 
uh, I led as a musician. And in that birth, I was fully a musician. I inhabited musician-ness. That birth had its own troubles. It had the crisis of being a performer. I experienced all of these inner battles. In fact, being a musician for me was a horrible birth. When I look back at it, I wasn't happy. And I couldn't tell you why I even did it. I mean, I guess I did it because my friends and I were going to shows. They were in bands. I play guitar. Here I am in a tribe. So my ego found personal importance and personal identity in being a musician. But when I look back at the incarnation, the inner turmoil left me with so many lessons that served me in my next birth. I learned to ignore my inner critic and just do what needed to be done. Um, it even taught me to ignore the outer critics and to just do, just go, fuck them, move forward. Now, um, all of these phases overlap for us, right? They're usually, uh, we are eased into our next role. For me, it was like it was like I just looked up one day and found myself in a new role. But that's not exactly how it happened. And that next role after musician was as a graphic designer and an artist. I brought my hypercritical mind, which was accustomed to being criticized from the inside and the outside, and brought it into my role as a designer and an artist. And in that birth, you couldn't hurt me. The only damage I took was from me. At that point, in that birth, critics couldn't hurt me. For better or worse, you couldn't tell me shit. Now, in the midst of these births, as musician, designer, artist, there were other births. I took birth um, as a husband two times. Well, really, like one and one-eighth. The second was more of a mulligan, kind of like a whoopsie-doo. Not to mention uh, the dating and other relationships that took place. And each of those intimate relationships was the result of the previous relationship, right? Um, and then there was taking birth into a helper, birth of service. We're working in mental health and addiction. And so all of these births... Um, kind of happened within one, right? All these different identities, rather. So not only are we seeing that this single overall birth is a microcosm of the more cosmic birth, we can also see this as a microcosm of the theory that one soul spins off of it several births that overlap and run simultaneously, kind of like that reading that I did where that thing that was supposed to go in the book, like, was it several timelines and one? So I don't know. Anyway, uh, we are in this timeline that we are currently aware of that uh, this nervous system is listening to this podcast in experiencing several births that are all feeding into the next experience or the next birth, the next lifetime, and the next incarnation. This current uh, birth that we're experiencing is the training ground, right? It's like a kiln, a womb. We are cooking and preparing for the next phase. Um, the care that we take from moment to moment will help build on or dictate the next moment. Nothing is wasted. And on one plane, it's all vitally important. And on another plane, it means nothing. Um, it's like in the Bhagavad Gita when Krishna talks about the path of action and the path of non-action. Devotion to either will lead to liberation.
It's that simple. Ta-da. <laughs> so that's it for the phases of life as incarnations. I hope it was helpful. I hope that you found this beneficial. Uh, and as usual, if you have questions, comments, or suggestions, feel free to reach out. I'll always respond. You know that by now. And as I mentioned before, if you'd like to support the ongoing creation of the Infinite Spark of Being and all of its facets, please do that at theinfinitesparkofbeing.com. Uh, where there's a link to the Patreon, a link to Venmo, books, merchandise, all that stuff to help support this. And as usual, don't forget, you can always reach out and talk to me. We're old friends. Don't be weird about it. Bye. Bye.